Okay, on a serious note now, I like where we're going, I like what we're doing, but uh, as I said at the beginning, um, the second week it's time for us to raise the bar now. Are we clear on that? We gotta raise the bar. I wanna practice with better etiquette, okay? Stay off the ground, stay away from the quarterback, I want the backs and receivers to finish runs, okay? I want better etiquette. But more than anything, I want better execution. Are we clear on that? I want better fucking execution. I want you to get a little bit pissed off. All right, not a lot of people expect very much from us. Do they? Do they? You've been reading about us? Not a lot of people expect enough from us. I'm tired, man. I'm tired of reading about it. It's time for you to stick your foot up somebody's ass, man. I'm looking for a relentless, every situation strain. I want everybody to pick it up tonight because we're capable of being a great football team. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. Just win, baby. Welcome back to the Las Vegas Raiders Lounge Podcast. It is Benny Spielberg here, of course, joined by Marquee Mark. Mark, how are we doing after this wonderful second episode of Hard Knocks? Benny, I probably enjoyed that one more than the first. I'm sitting here, I'm in my Raiders shirt, just laying back, taking it all in, taking some notes for the show here snacking on my pomegranate dark chocolate covered candies whatever you want to call them just enjoy just enjoying the hell out of this thing and there's so many things i drew from this episode now real quick i gotta get with you here some of the vip listeners have been calling this hard knocks recap series we're doing hard knocks after dark what do you think you think this is more of a morning thing you think this is more of an after dark thing Oh, well, I mean, we recorded after dark, but it does come out in the morning. So, you know, to me, I I think it's more of a morning vibe, but given at the moment, it is night. No doubt. Hey, and that's what's so great about this whole thing. The VIP listeners can get to this thing whenever they have the time. A lot of people were very complimentary regarding the first Hard Knocks recap. Well, that first one was magical, I thought. It was one of my favorite episodes recently, I gotta say. Yeah, no doubt it was. Now let's try to recreate that magic here with uh, Hard Knocks recap number two. And let me kick it off here. Uh, This show opened up with a bang. I thought the new montage intro they did was absolutely sick. It fired me up. And then if it couldn't get any better at that very point in time, it had Gruden addressing the team at the beginning of week two of training camp. And he got really, really, uh, shall I say, aggressive with them, Definitely. trying to get them ready to rock, ready to roll. He um, he pumped me up and he said, it's time to put our foot in somebody's ass. And that's the type of talk 
that connects with these players. It's the type of talk that connects with athletes, um, serious athletes at any level. That's how you get guys going. His tone of voice, his obvious passion. I cannot believe when I hear some people who knock him and say, oh, he was thinking about saying that all week. This is how he is on a 24-7 basis. I've seen John Gruden in hotel lobbies. I've seen him at airports, not on the football field. And that's how he acts. When I saw him back in um, January, he pounded me on the back, slapped me in the chest when he was just saying hello to me. (laughs) So that's how this guy is, full of energy. I love Um, how he addresses this young team, and I think he's got them very engaged. Absolutely. John's a very intense guy. That's just who he is, and he's never going to change. But how he commands and handles these meetings are so impressive, I can't state it enough. Oh, it really is. And then, you know, not that goes without – getting onto the football field once they hit that practice field he runs a practice like no other and i love when he you know jibber jabbers with them before practice and when he said went over to keelan das and he said look man you know you got to stop thinking so much you're on that open-minded free thinker you see cal davis bullshit (laughs) he was kind of like mocking the whole liberal college kind of mindset which i thought was hilarious now keelan das is playing all three wide receiver positions for the raiders john has been talking him up for quite some time now very complimentary towards him now benny tell the vip listeners if i'm lying on draft day wasn't I ranting and raving about how awesome of an undrafted free agent pickup Keelan Doss was? Yeah, absolutely. You were right and on look, top of that. And look, that doesn't mean anything yet. That doesn't mean anything yet. But he's certainly making an impression. Yeah, that he is. His He needs to work on his consistency, I believe. But other than that, he seems to be a good talent for sure and definitely seems to have a good head on his shoulders and a nice kid. And if you don't think that Gruden's excited about him, he said, man, I'm more excited to watch Doss play in this preseason opener than than I am to see my wife. And I haven't seen her in two weeks. Shit, I'm more excited to see you play to see my wife. I ain't seen her in two weeks. (laughs) I really am. How funny is that? That was amazing. So good. And uh, another great quote. He said, have a little personality, Glennon. You're so casual, like a house mouse. You got to hurry up, man. It takes forever. Start the motion, get it going. We're running out of time. My life is running out of lifespan. So casual, like a house mouse. I believe he was talking to Peterman when he said that, but yes, great, oh, okay. great quote. Well, they, they, they both have a similar demeanor uh, regardless, so yeah one or the other it both plays he tries to get them to you know get some fire to kick some people in the ass and get that offensive line firing off the ball he wants a quarterback that commands a huddle and commands an offense like he commands a team it's why he loved rich gannon so much it's why he liked jeff garcia bruce gradkowski he likes firecrackers he likes hard nose guys especially at the quarterback position 
Well, for sure. If you're going to play quarterback under Gruden, you're going to have to have thick skin because he's going to get on you. He's going to be a little angry. He's going to be a little mean, but he's doing it for your best interest and the team's best interest. He's trying to make you a superstar, and he's trying. And if you can get with his program, he will make you a superstar, and you won't have to do any necessarily extraordinary things to reach that status. You almost just have to stay within his system and get better within his system and his culture and philosophies, for lack of better terms. I hate using those two cliche football uh, media-type terms. But all I'm saying is if you buy into the Gruden lifestyle and you buy into his system, you could become a star. Look at a guy like Rich Gannon who went from a career backup to an NFL MVP. Absolutely. And while we're on the topic of nicknames and great Gruden quotes from that episode, I love the fact that he called McVay piss boy because that's what he was being called when he was interning. McVay started like I started with the 49ers. They called me the piss boy in the Mel Brooks movie. You know, they'd call for the, the guy to come running over there with the bucket when the guys got off the horse. So we called McVay the piss boy just to let him know how it felt. And then next thing I know, he's helping coach the wide receivers and he's coming up with ideas for game plans. That was hilarious. And he even referenced the legendary Mel Brooks, who me and you both love in the cinema world. Uh, I just think his rapport, his relationship with Sean McVay is awesome. It's a big brother, little brother kind of relationship. Um, although he could be his father and, you know, we broke down in the first episode, the deep lineage of the Gruden and McVeigh families going back to Ohio. Yeah. Now, how, how embarrassed were you? And, and, and embarrassed is strong because he's a, he, he's a, he's a star and he's actually more accomplished of a college football player than a lot of people on that 90-man roster currently. But when Hunter Renfro had to do his rookie performance, oh, well, and he did picked leave. a bad song. He picked a terrible yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. And it makes I, me question his decision-making. Well, I like that he didn't need to do a rap song. He's not that kind of guy. I like that he was staying true to himself. Well, that's and fine, he, but you pick a song that's easy for you to sing that you don't have to hit notes you can't hit. A, a good, okay, a I see what you're you saying there. Yeah, with, that is a, yeah, that a is a tone tough you song. can't uh, uh, get to. Mm-hmm. Good point. And pick I agree something with that. country. Pick something like old school rock or something. Easy. Yeah, that lean on me, that's hard to catch all those crescendos. It's kind of like an up-and-down rhythm-ish song. Yeah, you need a song that you don't rely on the actual music. Yeah, great point. Great point. Now, Max Crosby, and I really don't like that T-Pain buy you a drink song, but that was a phenomenal acapella version of that by him. It was unbelievable. it was I almost liked his version more than the real version. Funny because you know, in my notes you know I me, have Betty, maybe not, better I'm... than T Pain without the auto tune. Like if <laughs> yeah, you took T Pain without the auto tune, I think it sounds worse than Max Crosby. You know me. I'm not quick to compliment rap music or a wannabe rapper type of deal, but I enjoyed that. I call it like I see it. I, I don't hide my feelings. No, he really got the vibe right. He really got the uh, pace down properly. 
the enunciations I, in the proper uh, spots. Uh, dude, he, he hit a home run with that. I could never come close to doing something like that. And he, uh, he caught it a little bit from general manager Mike Mayock on the practice field the next day when Mayock was a little intrigued by him and he was talking up some music with him. And he said, you know, do you know who Bootsy Collins or George Clinton is? And, and, and uh, Max Crosby's going, yeah, yeah, I heard of them. I, I know who you're talking about. And mm-hmm. Mayock's kind of pressing them on it a little bit. He says, Mayock goes, Max, you're a fucking rap guy. Mm-hmm. You don't know shit about Bootsy Collins or George Clinton. So good. Uh, that was so good. A glimpse into the tough guy, the real dude that Mike Mayock is. And that's Exhibit 500 on why these kids and veterans and the coaching staff love having Mayock around. Absolutely. But to get back to Max Crosby and to jump ahead a little, you got to respect him playing in that cast. This is a guy he knows he's not going to get cut. You know you're not going to be practice squatted. You could sit out at least uh, the rest of the day if you wanted to. But he wanted to get back out there for that preseason game, and that says a lot. Well, and what it does, Benny, is it says the type of guy that Mike Mayock brings in. If he wasn't the type of guy that was, okay, I broke my hand, my head's still in the game, I got to get back in this game because I want to compete with my brothers. They didn't dress a lot of defensive linemen for this game, and a couple were hurt. They weren't, um, uh, quote-unquote, at full strength body-wise with linemen. So, you know, the preseason's a battle, too. These are still men vying for their career. So it's competitive out there. He got It's not the Pro Bowl, you know what I mean? He got back out there. He battled. I respected the hell out of him for that. In case you were wondering, he had surgery yesterday. I don't know if the plate was put in, but he had surgery. They're going to give him a couple days off from practice. He probably won't play in the preseason game two against the Cardinals, but they're going to cast him up and he's going to continue to compete. First bone he ever broke in his whole life. Yeah, the kid's a competitor. I think he's going to be a really nice football player for them for sure. Me too. Keep in mind, he ran a four five six for a defensive end. Yeah, That's special. He's got the size and weight to match and, and the, the heart. And, and you can't measure that. That's why analytics don't work in football because there's no analytics for heart and intangibles and grit. And here's another sign that he's going to wind up not only being a great player, but already is kind of showing that he is a really good player. And you can tell how much the rest of the team and the veterans really like him and embrace him already. And after just two weeks of camp, that says a lot. Agreed. Agreed. The uh, coaching staff like him, his peers like him, and the front office like him. Uh, and it seems like his girlfriend likes him. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. Um, now, we talked about being embarrassed a little bit for Renfro during that team meeting. Pre-practice, day one before the Rams joint practice, Renfro and Carr and Foster Moreau were throwing the ball around. And Renfro, just making conversation, said to Carr, you know, are you a little bit nervous kind of thing? And Carr kind of shrugged it off and said, huh, I think I've, play- I've played in bigger games than the bigger moments than this. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got a little bit embarrassed for Derek Carr. I agree. Because, because Hunter Renfro has played in 
bigger games and more than one than Derek Carr ever has. Possibly. What did yeah. he play in four national championships? No, I hear you. And, and, and caught a Carr... game-winning touchdown pass. You know, I mean, dude, Carr's never even played a playoff game. I know. And in college, I don't even know what bowl games Fresno State went to. The we obviously Carr know. Care bowl. You know, yeah, the Idaho Potato Bowl, maybe. Um, uh, I don't even know if they did that. So... You know, Renfro has played in bigger games than Derek Carr, so he was a little out of pocket to say that in my eyes. But guess what? If Hunter Renfro was on the show with us right now, he might disagree because obviously playing in the NFL is the holy grail for guys like that. They live and breathe and dream and die for the NFL. Absolutely. I don't think Renfro was the type of guy that actually looked down on Carr. I think he understood not only what he was saying but agreed with him in the moment, having said that while watching it on TV, I also was like, what huge games have you played in the car? Other than regular season NFL games that are big, but I mean, yeah. Tom Brady's at his house watching that, laughing his ass. Laugh. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's the classic thing. Derek Carr's been a starting quarterback his whole life. Those guys have an innate uh, cockiness to them. Uh, but Derek Carr overall is a humble man. It's more of just, it comes with the position. You have to be confident and you have to be cocky because, frankly, you're getting ridiculed from all different angles when you're an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, once that practice commenced, day one wasn't ideal for the Raiders, but they did more positive things than Hard Knocks showed this week. Um per multiple reports from journalists that were at the joint practices um, and, you know, some coaches that discussed it. But day two was a real nice win for the Raiders where they got under the skin of some quality Rams players. I don't know if you saw in one of the clips, Trent Brown bodied up Aaron Donald pretty good. Uh, rookie fullback from Wisconsin, Alec Ingold, who um, – We've talked about on Twitter and whatnot. He put Clay Matthews down. Uh, You know, there was a lot of physicality. There were some nice catches made. And I'm a big fan of those joint practices. I think they're very beneficial for all parties involved. Well, it's definitely beneficial. And it was a bit of a reality check, I think, that first day for these Raiders. I mean, these Rams are a team that obviously had success last year, but also has been growing and molding as a team for a couple years now. These guys know about each other. They know what they need to do and where the other guys are going to be. So it's kind of tough for a team like the Raiders to come into that first day and be up to standard. But it was a good sign seeing the next day they took a step forward and improved their performance against this other team. No question about it. And John Gruden made a good point to the team where he said, hey, this the Rams were not good two years ago. What did they do? They got better in a hurry. Exactly. We could do the same thing. I see a similar comparison. Both teams going into new stadiums, uh, both teams in, um, you know, a – you know, in the middle of a move. There's a lot of comparisons, let alone McVeigh and Gruden, how similar they are in many ways. Sure. Now, when the practice got chippy, I found it very funny how all of a sudden Richie Incognito is the new Zen master. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Bringing out know, all his uh, therapy all, techniques. Yeah, his counseling techniques, talking about counting to 10, just getting to the next play. 
put a, a veteran like Incognito during tra- a training camp scrimmage, he would stay away from something like that. Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Well, especially with cameras everywhere. But it was funny. It might have only been a two-second clip, but one of my favorite parts of that episode was seeing Incognito waddle his way over to the fight. Just yes, all yeah, slowly. Curious, like an old junkyard dog yeah. headed over to a scrum to see what's going on. Maybe poke his head in. Yeah, it, it that cracked me up. And it was only for a second or two, but I couldn't miss it. I love those little tidbits you catch in Hard Knocks. Uh, it's one of the reasons it's such a great show. The production value is truly through the roof. Well, while we're talking about tidbits, let's go back to two more John Gruden quotes that I loved from this episode. I loved randomly. Randomly, he's just looking around and he goes, has anyone seen my friend Antonio Brown? (laughs) Oh, dude, he sounds like this depressed, like, this grade school kid whose best friend might have moved away. Has anybody seen my friend Antonio Brown? That's good. I wish he was here. Oh, it's so fun. Oh, dude, he, I think he's playing that one up a little bit. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, but it doesn't matter whether he is or he isn't. He should, like, make a little bit of light of the situation. It's one of the most insane situations any of us as sports fans have ever freaking heard of. It was hilarious. (laughs) Oh, dude, and I love how you just, you really emphasized how soft-spoken he is when he does that. Has anybody seen my friend Antonio Brown? (laughs) And then in the press conference, he goes, I would love to get Antonio Brown back here. I got some plays drawn up for him. Like, he's this kid who, who drew up some plays plays for the backyard football during lunchtime it's so funny uh he's amazing is is he not amazing oh he's the best so another (laughs) one is i love when gruden goes are you a blockhead are you a blockhead oh i have that one written (laughs) down too was that i think that was the peterman i want to think it was the peterman too oh my god when he called him a blockhead that was so funny he uh he demands from his quarterbacks. That's like him trying to be nice in some ways, but he was also genuinely pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. I like when he, he said, you know, like we can't run the ball, you know, into uh, in into the safety. We can't run the ball to the weak side like that. Uh, it was um, it was very telling uh, about how detail oriented uh, John Gruden is with his offense. Yes. Even in a preseason game with a third string quarterback, he cares about these guys. He uh, has taken a liking to Nathan Peterman. I think the Raiders being deep in so many areas, like in the running back room, the receiver room. And I could even see an instance where they would want to carry four tight ends or an extra lineman. They're deep in a lot of areas. So what I'm trying to get to here is there's a situation where they may only carry two quarterbacks. It's probable. And and if Peterman doesn't perform, it's he it, that's going to make that decision very easy to only carry two. Sure. Um, but I think Peterman showed enough in game one where he's on pace to make the team. Still, I, I believe that. I, that's just an opinion, though. We'll see what happens. Still, three preseason games to go. We're going to see much more of Peterman. Now, 
another, maybe my favorite line from the entire episode. Let's hear it for Bob. You hit the light. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and the whole room goes nuts for Bob. Yeah. That's John uh, just naturally creating the family atmosphere. That's how he gets everybody in the mix. Um, it's kind of like how you referenced last week, how he was loving up on Ethan Westbrooks, the new guy, Mm -hmm. uh, welcoming him to the family, getting him in the mix. I don't know if you heard the post game victory speech in the locker room, um, where he said it's veterans like Westbrooks and young guys like Trayvon Mullins, why we're going to have a great season. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, that's how he gets this family atmosphere. Um, and it's not done from a a matter of manipulation. That's just John being John. And that's why, as we emphasized in episode one, he's a next level communicator. Mm-hmm. Now, Benny, I'm under the impression from uh, the text you sent me during the show that the VIP listeners have fired in a few questions. Absolutely. We got a couple for you. So Tristan from Long Beach wants to know, is the poor showing against the Rams a bad sign for the upcoming season? Well, I I don't know what game Tristan watched. They kept a uh, Super Bowl offense out of the end zone. When you talk about a Super Bowl team, you usually think, especially a team that lost the Super Bowl, you usually expect them or at least want them to come out and be very crisp, show their depth, because great teams usually have great depth, and you usually expect them to dominate a team that went 4-12 and the year prior. You look at what the Patriots did to the Lions in week one of the preseason. They beat them down pretty good, 31-3. to The Rams came to Oakland after seeing them uh, in practice two times. They couldn't get in the end zone. The Raiders essentially doubled them in total yardage. Um, they didn't play any of their starters, and it was uh, it was a really good showing for the Rams. I'm not quite sure what Tristan expected to see there, but I would say enough positives can be drawn from preseason game one to feel good about the direction of the 2019 Silver and Black. I think Tristan was talking more about the practices well, rather than the, the actual game. And I think day one wasn't ideal, but like I said, for drama purposes, Hard Knocks made day one of the practice look a little bit worse than it was in reality. And day two was a flat-out win, if you want to call it that. Uh, There were some deep strikes down the field for touchdowns. There was um, a lot of chippiness that was induced by Aaron Donald, who some believe is the best player in the NFL, getting... Uh, bodied up pretty good and not being able to get to the quarterback. Anytime you can frustrate a great player in any sport, that's a good sign. All right. Well, our next question is from a dear friend of ours from the show, Vinny Crushed Red Pepper, who we know is a uh, world-renowned child disciplinarian. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, Vinny is sending this from Folsom State Prison. Having said that, Vinny wants to know, does Antonio Brown need to be disciplined for his actions? (laughs) Man, uh, Vinny is a true disciplinarian. He, um, he just gets it. He, he, he lives, eats, sleeps and breathes discipline. And, um, I'll say this. 
I am fully on board with what John Gruden said. The cryotherapy chamber was not his fault. It was an honest mistake. That's number one. Uh, and and a, a little more additional context there. He made an honest mistake when he was trying to better his body for football. He, he didn't make an honest mistake surfing. He made an honest mistake trying to get his body right and next level for the upcoming season. Number two, I understand to an extent his grievance about the helmet. Uh, field division, um, you know, is his livelihood. It's not like a quarterback. He just has to stand in the pocket. So switching up your helmet isn't too big of a deal. Antonio Brown's vision and comfort in the open field and uh, throughout the field, that's his livelihood. So, yeah, he's making a big deal out of it, but I get it. He's, you know, he's a premier player in the NFL. He wants to use the piece of equipment he's been using for the past 10-plus years, but it's just a wacky scenario. No, no discipline for Antonio Brown. Uh, what he's going through with his feet is, is enough punishment. Okay, okay. So now our last, <laughs> so now our last question is from Giovanni in Vegas. Love getting these Vegas questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Vegas is coming out. Hard support. So Giovanni wants to know, where the heck has Josh Jacobs been? We haven't seen him once. I know. He's uh, listed as the starting running back on the depth chart. He will be playing in preseason game two Thursday night against the Cardinals in Arizona. They are doing a thing with him where, hey, this is our this is a weapon of ours who has a lot put on him in year one. Uh, keep your cameras away from him because we need him totally honed in on football. Uh, the Raiders have expectations of getting him a rookie of the year here. Okay, they have big plans for him. He is uh, doing very well in camp. He loves the pass protect. He has the receiving skills that you know in the modern day nfl just make you smile you love a running back who can catch and run routes like he can and he's not afraid to shy away from contact and get the ball up in there and put his shoulder down for extra yards we're going to be seeing a ton of josh jacobs it's just one of those situations where i believe they told the hbo cameras let this man get to work he's got serious business to take care of all right, well, now I got a couple other points that we didn't get to that I have to mention. The first being my man, Seawood, my favorite player ever. Love seeing him there. Coming in, telling the young kid he's the only 24. That was cool. You said that last week on the show, too. Absolutely. But I also like, by the end of the conversation, welcoming him in and telling him to give it more pride and do it justice. Oh, like yeah. motivating and him. Absolutely. And, you know, Woodson isn't with ESPN anymore, so it's fascinating to see him on the sidelines. Maybe he wants to get involved in, on John Rudin's coaching staff in, in some way, shape, or form. It wouldn't be the first time Gruden's hired an ex-player to be a position coach. For sure, and I, lo- I would love seeing Seawood out there. I think he would do a phenomenal job, but part of me thinks Seawood – just wants to make and enjoy wine. Right. Well, you know, he has his own winery down in Napa. Uh, trust yep. me, I know. 
Yeah, I love seawood. Uh, we we, we, we should make a trip. Legend. We should make a trip out to that vineyard. Yeah, that would be special. Uh, I would love to go there. And even with the Raiders moved to Vegas, they will still be holding training camp in the beautiful Napa Valley. Well, that's perfect. Maybe next year we get there and do this show live. Yes, agreed. All right, and the final point, one of the funnier parts from the episode, I believe. Brent Musburger. Is this Brent freaking Musburger? Hey, my man. Stay <laughs> on stage. Scream. All the free agents we exactly. signed. <laughs> in the vacation shirt, yes. in the pre-production meeting. Oh, that was so cool. And what was even cooler was how excited John Gruden was to see him. He said, of all the free agents we brought in, we got Brent Musburger too. I loved hearing that. You know how we always kind of tally up, like, who's a cool older guy? Yeah. And we had a long list. We forgot to add Brent Musburger to that list. He's amazing. For sure. He's great. Brent freaking Musburger. He is awesome. Uh, what a cool radio announcer for the Raiders. He's a Las Vegas resident. He's uh, does their radio, um, every, ra- every game on the radio. And I can't get enough of the guy. He's a broadcasting icon and frankly somebody i look up to in many ways yeah one of those truly special voices that you hear yep and there there will be no more brent musburgers um you know so we i i cherish those voices and characters and personalities while we still have them absolutely couldn't agree more would love to meet him would friggin love to meet him yeah, absolutely. I'd like to give him a first and ten. Yeah, yeah. He's the man. You know, Musburger, Al Michaels. You know, of course, I love Madden and Summerall. You know, of course, the legendary Howard Cosell. Yeah, even though he didn't do many games, the ultimate highlight man, Chris Berman. Uh, you know, just... I like listening to great men talk about football, Benny. And that's what I'm just trying to do here on this podcast. I know we're not the characters that I just mentioned, the legends that I just mentioned. But I like listening to genuine people talk about genuine ball and their passion for the league. Um, As a society, or I should say as a media group, and on Twitter, from what I've seen, a lot of people have gotten away from that. And they try to turn football into societal things and political things. I'm not with that, man. I, li- I like hearing great men talk about football. And then from there, I like hearing real fans and passionate people talk about the game as well. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, few and far between do you get the talents like a uh, Jason Witten or a Dennis Miller or a Tony Kornheiser. Right. And I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say this. I didn't even hate Dennis Miller on Monday Night Football. It just wasn't right. As insane as that sounds. um, No, but it wasn't But obviously he's not in the category of the real greats. No, of course not. Of course not. That was still the last good era of Monday Night Football, though. You know, even I loved, of course, Gruden doing Monday Night Football. Of course. but, But... that was their dog and pony show because all the other production value that Monday Night Football used to have totally fell off. So it became all about Gruden. You know, during the Gruden era, as special as he was as an announcer, they didn't have the 
great slate of games. The games weren't on cable. They weren't on 3, 6, or 10. They were on ESPN. Um, and they just didn't have, I don't know, the same lore. I think they even got rid of the Hank Williams song for a while. Are you ready for some football? That's a song I love. We can. I even liked how Hard Knocks was playing some rock music and some different types of tunes. I dig that. It's one of my favorite things about the production quality behind Hard Knocks. Well, speaking about the production quality, how about adding in date of footage of Antonio Brown back at camp? So friggin' cool. Uh, unbelievable, honestly. Like, I'm so impressed with the job that Hard Knocks crew and HBO uh, does with this product. Totally agree. They're doing a fantastic job. So far, it's been an unbelievable season. First two episodes of it, at least. Can't wait for next week. And with each week, we get closer and closer to the football season. So, Mark, unless you have anything else, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Las Vegas Raiders Lounge Podcast and our second Hard Knocks episode recap. Benny, I have one thing, and it's not necessarily Raiders related. We were supposed to have all pro uh, and Super Bowl champion fullback Sam Gash join us on this show. Man, I loved Sam Gash as a player. Uh, I always like my 90s football players. Uh, Fullbacks are some of my favorite players. Sam Gash was always a guy that impressed me, played on some great teams, played for some great coaches. He reached out to the Las Vegas Raiders Lounge on Twitter. We had a discussion. He said he uh, wanted to come on the show. We even had a time scheduled. And then uh, last minute, or I shouldn't even say last minute, I just, you know, followed up with him didn't hear back after the scheduling. So we hope to get Sam Gash on in the future. You know, I'm not blowing hot air here. If I wanted to make up a, a fake name, I would go bigger yes. than Sam Gash. So I hope people believe me. But we we would have had great football conversation with Sam Gash like we have had with so many other professional athletes. Yeah, that would have been a phenomenal talk. And I'm sure – it will happen again. I mean, we filed a police report for a missing persons report on <laughs> Sam Gash. So hopefully the authorities can track him down and find him and let his family and on the mark and the Las Vegas Raiders podcast feel safe that Sam Gash is back home and safe. Might have to reach out to Dog the Bounty Hunter. Uh, it's possible. I mean, <laughs> there's no more Beth, but Dog will find him. <laughs> hey, Benny. The Las Vegas Raiders Lounge. We love hanging in the lounge, talking ball. Absolutely. Until next time, guys, this is the Las Vegas Raiders Lounge Podcast. The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider 
pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won.